turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in this series called The Storyteller, The Parables of Jesus. Pastor Sean is teaching from Luke chapter 15 and it's one you've heard of many times, but this time from a different angle. It's the parable of the prodigal son. There's another son in this story that gets left out many times. But have you ever wept over someone who's lost and destroyed their life? If so, how is God inviting you to join him in his plan of redemption? Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. As today, it's part two of the message called A Tale of Two Sons. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. Revelation chapter 20 verse 14 and 15. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. See, this thing we're talking about, it's a matter of eternal life and death. That's why the father had such urgency for his son. That's why Jesus had such urgency for lost people. God loves lost people, and he wants us to do the same. And this, this thing of ours, this, this kind of squeamishness about hell and separation and eternity, it's like, we're, we're not sure what to do with that. Let me just tell you, you will never appreciate the good news. Gospel's the good news, right? You'll never appreciate the good news until you understand the bad news. Like, you can be saved. Good news. And people are like, Who cares? So what? I'm fine. Thank you, no. I'm good. No, no, you can be saved. Don't need it. Thank you. I'm fine. Nothing to be saved from. Until you understand the bad news, you can't appreciate the good news. It's like if I could have gone to, to Houston in some of the neighborhoods that were devastated by Hurricane Harvey. If I could have gone with a huge moving truck and gone up to some houses and said, said hey, by the way, I'm going to let you use my moving truck for free. Good news. And they look at me. It's two weeks before Harvey hit. And they're like, okay, thank you. Cuckoo, cuckoo. Someone send the crazy man and the moving man away. We're not moving. No, but I have a moving van for you, and it's yours free. Here's the keys. I don't need a moving van. Thank you. And then if I told them the bad news is like, oh, within two weeks, a hurricane's going to come. It's going to settle on the city. It's going to put so much water that your neighborhood's going to be underwater. If they believed me, all of a sudden, my moving truck is really good news. I just saved all their possessions. But if they don't believe the bad news, well, then the good news doesn't make sense. Who cares? Oh, you can have a savior. Eh, I don't need one. But when you understand the bad news, you understand, no, no, we desperately need one. 
The wages of sin is death. And that's talking eternal. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, this is why God's heart breaks for people lost in sin. That's what Jesus is portraying in this parable. God's heart breaks for people who are lost in sin. I love where it says in verse 20, when he was a long way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him. It's that picture of a father looking. He's worried about his son. He loves him. And he's looking. He's waiting. Longing. See, you may be here, and uh, you you may not be a believer. And it's like, well, why am I here in church on Sunday morning? Well, because some friend dragged you here. Let me just say, God bless you. Thank you for being here. You're a good friend. But since I got you here, you know, I just want you to know, Father sees you even when you're far off. He loves you. He sees where you are. He cares for you. He has a plan for you. And he made every provision so you could be forgiven and set free. You don't have to kind of get cleaned up to come back to him. In fact, Jesus, in the first of those parables, the parable of the lost sheep, let's take a look at it earlier in Luke 15, beginning at verse 3. So he told them this parable. He says, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, doesn't leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Listen, just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. That's a very powerful idea. And it really is. More joy over one person who repents than over 99 who don't need it. It, God gets very excited when a believer who is sick, when we pray for him and they're healed. That is really exciting. And Father rejoices because he healed them. But he says, yeah, far more rejoicing over one sinner who repents than for a righteous person who's already in relationship with Father who receives a blessing. Or a marriage of two believers who they're struggling, but God gets them over the hump and God brings healing. And he rejoices. Don't, he doesn't say he doesn't rejoice. He just says there's a whole lot more over one sinner than over 99 who are already in the fold. They're already in the family and they experience something great. There's more rejoicing over the one sinner who turns and comes home. And finds life in him. Or someone has a financial need. And that financial need, and they get a blessing. And God, it, it's such a gift. And there's so much rejoicing. And Jesus says, yeah, but remember, there's more rejoicing over one sinner than for 99 of those type of great testimonies. Because a life is saved. He who is lost is found. He who is dead is alive. Here's a question. Have you ever truly loved someone enough to weep over them when you see that they're lost and destroying their life? I mean, really. Love someone enough that their lostness and brokenness and the fact that they're separated from God cause you to absolutely weep. See, that's what the Father's saying. That's his perspective. And it almost, I think, takes a parent to understand this. Reminds me of the time when we lost Ryan at a restaurant. I've told some of you this before, but 
we're out at a restaurant, a bunch of people after church, and, you know, we're at a big, long table. And right at the end of the table, I mean, just, we, we could see them all. A bunch of video games. The kids are all playing video games. Ryan's three years old, okay? He's at that age where I'm not paying for him to play video games, right? He's just, he's just sitting there moving the buttons. And I'm like, oh, you're doing good. It says game over right on the front. And I'm like, no, no, that says you're doing great. <laughs> I didn't tell him that. I, did, I, 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 have, I have my limits, okay? But you know what I'm saying, right? You, you've done that. They're three. I'm not giving them a quarter. Forget that. So and all the other kids are threatening to tell him. And I'm like, tell him I, will, I won't give you any quarters, okay? So he's playing his little pretend game, and they're all playing. And I go back to the table, and a few minutes later, we look over, and, and he's gone. He's gone. And so I go over to the other kids. Hey, where's, uh, where's Ryan? I'm trying to keep it real calm because, you know, mom's back there, and she notices he's gone, and she's ready to go to 10 right away, right? You know, dad's trying to play it a little cool, keep it kind of calm. But there's that thing inside. Every parent who's ever lost a child, you know the thing I'm talking about, that, that sense. Kids, where's, where's Ryan? Where's Ryan? He was right there. I know where he was. I'm not giving you any more quarters either. Where, where is he? And so I start looking around the restaurant. Lori starts looking around the restaurant. And one dining room, second dining room, there's Fuddruckers. And he's not there. And so all the cool is gone right now. Now I'm yelling. And as you might have guessed, I can be loud, okay? And I'm like in this restaurant, Ryan! Ryan! Has anybody seen a little, little blonde guy about three years old? And, you know, every parent in the room, right? We're all now, we're all in this thing together. Every parent in the room, you know, they get up, they start looking. Lori is now in tears. She's running around screaming. We're, I'm t- to the manager, don't, ch- check the doors, don't let anyone leave. You know, because that's right where your mind goes. It's right where your mind goes. And so we're going crazy. Well, off to the side of these video games, there's a little hallway, and at the end of that hallway is a door. And finally, we go out that door, and there is their garbage in the back, and Ryan is playing in the garbage. <laughs> Should have known. By the way, parents, this is what happens. They know that, there's, that they're playing a fake game, so give them a quarter. I made a vow that day, I will give my boy a quarter, you know. Oh, my gosh. We scooped him up. Lori's just in tears. She's got him. We're thanking people. Parents, you know, people are hugging us and patting each other on the back. And it's like, oh, thank you, God. See, that's what it's like to know what the danger someone is in and to see that they're lost. Because, see, I wasn't picturing him playing in the garbage. <laughs> that would have been nothing new. He's done way grosser than that, right? That wouldn't have bothered me in the least. I'm picturing him in a van somewhere. I'm picturing him with his face, his mouth being covered and being carried out the back. That's what goes through. Because I knew the danger my son was in. And see, that's what happens when you understand God absolutely, his heart breaks for people lost in sin because he understands the pain of lostness. And as a father, his heart breaks for them. Have we ever truly loved and wept over someone who was lost and destroying their lives because we understood what the Father understands? And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called A Tale of Two Sons in the series The Storyteller, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And there, if you're able to bless back, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Again, find that Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. 
302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now the conclusion to the message, A Tale of Two Sons. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. It's interesting to know, when you think about the lostness, and think about this with the, the prodigal son, um, he was just as lost before his money ran out as he was after. And I think that's a twist for us. When he was still living like a sultan, spending his inheritance, driving a nice car, buying another round, doing the thing, he was every bit as lost, even though he didn't have the signs. Ultimately, he got skinny and lost weight because he wasn't eating. He was dirty. He couldn't afford clothes. He didn't have shoes. He had to sell the car. He had to sell the assets. He, he looked like a broken and lost person. This is important because in a culture like ours, where we have a lot of affluence around us, we can cover it up. And I think sometimes we, we, we kind of get confused by this. We think, well, they've got a good job. They're, they're, they live in a nice neighborhood. They, they can't be lost. Yeah, well, so did the prodigal son, I guess, before his money ran out. We have the resources in our culture to dress it up and hide it. But let me just tell you, apart from Jesus, we are lost. We are as lost as the prodigal son. We may not be, as the older brother said, throwing it away on prostitutes or, you know, drugs or partying or whatever. We may not be doing all that. But apart from Jesus, we are squandering our inheritance. We are lost. And we are dead spiritually. That's how the scripture describes it. God's heart breaks for lost people. And he wants us to do the same. A second thing is God longs to receive any who will turn and come home. God longs to receive any who will return and come home. Verses 17 through 20 is a great progression. It says the son came to himself. In other words, he he came to his senses. He saw it. And remember what he said? He said, I have sinned. You know what this is called? This is called confession. I have sinned. There's no blame game. It's not, well, that guy screwed me, and or these friends said they'd be there, but they weren't. None of that. It is I have sinned. I did this to myself. That's the core of repentance. Confession. Confession, the scripture says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So he confessed, then he goes home. He knows how to get back to Father. See, that's the beginning. Anybody who's ever hung around anyone who went through 12-step or maybe you've gone through 12-step, you know that the idea is, you know, The beginning of healing is to say, I've got a problem. I've got a problem. Well, that's no different with our sin nature. The beginning of healing is confession, saying, I have a problem. I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. Repentance is when we actually turn and say, I'm going to go back home to Father. 
Confession is the acknowledgement. Yep, I did this. This is my sin. Not blaming on God, not blaming on my parents, not blaming on society, not blaming it on the media, not blaming on anything else. It's me. I did it. Repentance is when I turn and I go back home to Father. I turn from my sin, from my way, and say, I want your way. And this is really important. I've, I've shared this with a lot of different parents dealing with wayward young adult children. Okay? It's really important to know um, that the prodigal son found repentance in the pig pen, not in his father's house. It's when he was hungry. It's when he recognized he was broken, he'd lost everything. The pain of consequence. Consequences are our friend because they bring us to that place. And I've, I've had to just challenge people, you know, I, I, I understand, I understand the fear, I understand the pain. Don't work so hard to try to alleviate the consequences if there's not repentance because it'll just be a new set of consequences. It'll just crop up somewhere else because the problem is the sin in the heart and the rebellion. And it was, it's really, I mean, when we stop and think about it, it was in the pig pen that the son found repentance, not in father's house. And so I think sometimes we have to recognize there is a gift in the consequences that our sin causes us to experience. God longs to receive any old turn and come back home. He loves lost people and he wants us to do the same. Third thing, God receives sinners as sons and daughters just the way they are. Those who repent and come home, he receives them as sons and daughters, not as second-class citizens, not as an employee or servant, as the son proposed. No, he receives them back as sons and daughters before they're cleaned up. It's not like, okay, well, I'll give you a path to earning your way back. There was none of that. This is such a picture of God's forgiveness. It says he embraced him and he kissed him. Let me tell you, this was not a clean young man. This was not a good-smelling young man. But a father didn't care. He could care less. He embraced him and he kissed him. He he calls and he gives him a robe. You know what what the robe is about? Covering his shame. He covered his shame. He says, he says get, get a ring, give him a ring. And some people look at that and go, well, how nice he was worried about jewelry. You know, give him a little bling. He's my boy. That's not, that's not, <laughs> you're, that's not the point. The robe covered his shame. The ring represented the restoration of his name. It was a special ring. It was a family ring. It wasn't just so he would, you know, look the part. It was saying, you're still my son. And this ring represents that. And then shoes. The only ones who would have been barefoot in a family like that would have been the servants. In that culture, would have been servants or slaves. Shoes said, you're my son. And I'm restoring you as my son. See, God receives sinners as sons and daughters, just the way they are. Romans 5, 7 and 8 says, One will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loves us. The penalty for sin was paid while we were still sinners. When we turn and repent, we are forgiven and made clean in him. We sometimes think, well, I've got to get my act together, and I've got to get it all so that I'll impress God. Um, let me just say, you're not going to impress God. Okay? He knows you as you are. Come as you are. See, in Jesus, when you come and allow him to forgive your sin, when you acknowledge your sin, you confess it, and you turn from that sin to him in repentance, you are a son and a daughter. 
I just want to say, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with him, you can. It's as simple as saying, Father, I'm a sinner and I need you. Please forgive me. Come into my life and lead me into a different kind of path. Scripture says, if you pray that prayer, you're a new creation. I want to encourage you. Don't wait. Don't have to get things figured out. Don't have to get things cleaned up. No. If you know your need for him today, come. Father's looking and he loves you. God loves lost people and he wants us to do the same. Last thing. God wants us to love and receive lost people because that's what he did to us. He wants us to love and receive lost people because that's how he treated us. That's why the father said it's fitting to celebrate. He was dead, now he's alive, he was lost, now he's found. God treated us that way. Paul wrote, he, said, he wrote this list of sins and he said, and, and all these different things, he said, these can't inherit the kingdom. And he said, and this is what you were before Jesus. Okay, let's put a list of sins on the, all the sins we've committed. It would not look pretty. And Paul could rightly say, people who do these things can't inherit the kingdom. But then he would say, because of Jesus, you can. And, but here's this list, that's what you were. He says, I want you to love people who are like you were apart from me. 1 Peter 4, 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. See, that should be the essence of our community. We should love one another. We, even people who stumble and fall, people who are far from God who aren't yet apart, they're not yet here. We should love them because that's what he did for us. I love this passage, Galatians 6. This is, this is a, a statement about church culture. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he has something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. See, we should be a community of restoration. In fact, restoration is one of our core values. That's what we do. That's what lostness is. I was created to have life in Christ. I was created for a purpose in him. And because of sin and rebellion, I'm not living that. I'm lost. But the message, the reason we get up in the morning, the whole point of the gospel is restoration in Jesus Christ. That's the good news. It's what we do. And so when we think about events like a big balloon festival, some people go, why is the church wasting time and money on a balloon festival? Why would you do that? To be honest with you, we're having a balloon festival not because I just love balloons, okay? Uh, the balloons are awesome. You know, I used to go over my house as a kid, and I thought they were really cool. But I can go somewhere and look at balloons, right? I don't need to do all this work. I could, you could pay one admission and go look at balloons, right? I want thousands of people who, they're, they're going to come. I want them to meet you. And more importantly, I want them to meet the Jesus in you. Because let me tell you, you are that kind of community. I've watched you with people who are far from God. I never worry about bringing someone who is lost and broken and, and self-conscious. I never worry about bringing them here because I know you're going to love them. You're going to treat them just normal. You're going to show the love of Jesus to them because that's what you do. I want them to meet the Jesus in you. And a festival like that is a great opportunity because I know it may surprise you. There are people who aren't ready to come hear me preach. It's shocking. But they will come to a balloon festival, right? Balloons are more entertaining than me. Go figure. But that's why we do things like that because there are people who will come. And, and, and 
You're like, but yeah, what difference does it make? So they watched some balloons with us. So they, so they, they played some games, whatever. What's the big deal? We served some people. We were kind to some people as we served them a barbecue sandwich. What's the big deal? I'll tell you the big deal. And I'm going to give you a little lesson on marketing, okay? The church, you're like, really? Yes, really. We occasionally will do flyers, do mail-outs to the community. We have a sign on the road. Uh, that sign was not cheap, okay? They don't give those things away, which was shocking to me. But that sign wasn't cheap. Those mailers cost money. Our ads in newspapers and on websites and the things we do, those take resources. And you're like, I've had people say, why would you spend God's money on that? Because the people who drive by and see that sign... Okay, after a while, it becomes white noise. The people who come to the balloon festival have a great time, and they meet you, and they see your Church for Real Life shirt, and you're kind to them, and they, they hang out, and they kind of go, that's kind of a cool place. And then they go home. Do you, know, do you know what I'm banking on? I'm banking on when they become hungry, they'll remember. They'll know how to get home. Because right now, people don't know how to get home. The son knew how to get back to the father's home because he'd lived there. The people who are going to be here, many of them have no idea how to get home and I want them to know this is the place where they can find out how to get home. When they're hungry, when they're lost, when they do go and go, I wonder if God has something for me. I wonder if I could find out about God. I want them to remember that place where people were really cool to them and they, and they just were loving to them. And go, maybe I could find out there. Maybe those people could help me understand. Maybe they could point me towards God because something in my spirit, I, something's got to give. I got I to make a change want to do all these things, let people know we're here and to meet them and to share the good news with them so that when they are hungry, they will know how to get home. That's our job, how to help them find home. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, The Storyteller, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, we hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.